Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, we'll be chatting with Aisha Priest. And before we get to it, I have a couple quick announcements. Number one, we have a sponsor, Niche Website Builders, and I've been working with them on a specific case study. So you can check out some of the updates around that and go a little bit deeper. One product I want to mention is their combo packages. So they do kind of a full suite of services over there, content and link building. And you could actually get combo packages. So they they put a couple things together. So some of them are like 20,000 words of content with a couple of guest posts and a couple of niche edits that are delivered, I think, probably each month. That's what I suspect, but I guess it depends on how you want to put it together. And there are many packages. Some of them are more content, like 50,000 words of content and a shotgun skyscraper and just kind of an ongoing situation. So definitely check that out. And they do have other services that they're rolling out all the time. They have Haro link building, they have the shotgun skyscraper, guest posting packages, niche edits, and all sorts of other stuff. Of course, they have content, they have FAQ content, they have product reviews and so on. So thanks to niche website builders, The other announcement that I have is my course multi-profit site is open for enrollment. And that is only if you're listening to this during the the launch week. All right. So it's April 18th through the 22nd of 2022. So if you're interested, check it out. There's a link in the show notes here and I won't ramble on too far with it and just get to the interview here. But if you want to check it out, head over to Multiprofit site, link in the description. Okay, let's get to the interview. We have a guest today. It's Aisha Priest, and I'm pretty sure I got her name right. We'll have her confirm in just a second. She has a few sites that are earning quite a bit of money. We're going to focus on one particular site today. It earned $770 in January, six, sorry, 860 in February, and in March, about 940. It's about 12 months old, so it's actually grown quite fast, and I'm excited to dig into some of the details for this particular site, plus hear a little bit more from Aisha around her portfolio and just what she's working on. So how's it going today? Hi, Doug. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on the show, and Thanks to everybody who has who's taken the time to listen to this. I'll try and make it as valuable as possible for all of you. So thanks for waking up early. We are located on different sides of the world. And in fact, we had a little scheduling snafu. I, I goofed something up with a date. So thanks for waking up early. Where are you located? I'm currently in Malaysia. So actually when the pandemic hit, I'm, I'm originally British, but I moved to Malaysia and then just got stuck here during the pandemic, which isn't a bad spot to get stuck in, you know, but I'll probably end up moving back at the end of the year. I'm currently in Malaysia, tropics. Very cool. So this particular site that we're going to talk about today, it has a pretty nice trajectory, but just so people have an idea on some of your other sites, can you share like some of the traffic stats and earnings and I'll just kind of turn it over to you so I don't mix up any of the, the facts here? So this is for the whole portfolio or just the travel site? Whole portfolio. Okay. So I have my first main site, which I 
set up in 2017, but did absolutely nothing with it, ignored it because I had no idea what to do. I don't know if anybody can relate. You just get analysis paralysis. I was like a stuck gecko. Ignored it for 2017, ignored it for 2018. Towards the end of 2019, uh, a tragic event happened, and then I finally took action and set up my first site. And then made all my mistakes the entire, you know, end of 2019 and 2020. And just at the end of 2020, I was able to finally get my head right and took action and, and, to, and learned SEO. And that grew my site from 7,000 page views to nearly 100,000 page views in seven months. And that, that site earned me um, decent, decent amount, over $10,000 a month. Then I set up my second site at the end of December 20. Um, actually during a motorbike trip with my brother, just on the whim. And then that, that site, that one gets around, uh, 16, nearly 17,000 pay views a month. And my, then my, and my third, my third site was set up also December 20, fourth site at the start of 21. And I have a fifth site, which is quite dormant. So I'm growing, I say four sites, but the first site is, is my little baby's all grown up and it's taking care of me now. That's awesome. So you're doing this full time now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you know what, let's, let's jump in. So you mentioned the, the tragic event and I'm going to hopefully tie this back to like motivation and maybe why someone works on a site or maybe other business ventures. And really it's just your why. And it could be for many things. I'm interested in the financial independence movement and people have a why for whatever it is they're doing and it helps keep them motivated provides a North Star. So can you can you go ahead and tell us the story? Well, actually, prior to that, I was in a corporate job. I was in corporate banking. My background's law and my I, I was in corporate banking for 10 years. And I went into both because I grew up very poor. And I remember the feeling as a child worrying about being sick because I was like, my parents can't afford my medical bills. I definitely got into those, the, the, you know, law and finance so I could have enough money for myself, right? And, and also my family. And so I did all the right things. I sacrificed my lunch breaks. I, you know, sat got bullied by my boss. And one day just, you know, after 10 years, looked out the window and just thought, I don't want my boss's job. I don't want my boss's boss's job. And I saw people out there sending themselves probably unemployed, these people, but just wondering what, what can I do with my life to change it today? And so I ended up starting a side hustle and equipping my job. But the thing is, I, while I was doing these side hustles, I also set up my blog, but did absolutely nothing with it because I didn't know what to do. And I carried on learning different side hustles that, you know, proof bidding, online, you know, online teaching. And unfortunately, my best friend passed away overnight and she was the light of my life. And I remember when I was quitting my job and I got criticism, she said, listen to people you want to be. Don't listen to people you don't want to be. Who do, who do you want to be? These people criticizing you. Do you want their life? And so she really helped me a lot through this journey. And when she died, I remember saying, life is so short and what can I do? I have a choice. I can really allow this to bring me down. And don't get me wrong, grief, you know, the way grief works, you have to allow yourself that time. But I kind of channeled that grief into, right, what am I going to do to actually take action and change my life? And I ended up taking action with my site. And, you know, every day, like I was saying, Doug, when I go on motorbike trips, when I, I often work and travel on the road, and I have her funeral service with me. And it kind of, it just makes me feel really appreciative because tomorrow's never guaranteed, right? And so we, we take a lot of what we have for granted and we say, oh, I have to write this content. Oh, I have to do that. 
this is an opportunity we're given to change our lives every day. And I don't, I don't want to ramble on about it, but it keeps me going. And when I'm feeling down, I'm feeling alone. I listen to the Doug show. That helps. <laughs> but, you know, you know, you just got to ask yourself, if tomorrow was your last day, what would you do? And, you know, for me, I would do exactly what I'm doing, which is growing my site, traveling and helping my community. <sighs> yeah, that, that's a wonderful story. And thanks for sharing that. So let's, let's shift and start talking about SEO and, and the sites and everything. So you started your first site in 2017, but really just kind of sat on it. So once you got motivated and, and you got moving, did you, did you know what you were doing? Like, I don't know, like your experience level or how you came into it. So it sounds like you didn't really have much of a digital marketing background at all. So how, how was it kind of getting started and figuring things out? I hope I'm only allowed to swear on this show, but it was yeah, a can. shit show. Like, yeah. you know, absolute shit show. And if you're listening to this thinking you need to have technological experience, I had zero, nada, zilch. So I went in there and, and technology still scares me. I live in the fear that my site, I'm going to break my site one day. And, you know, I think that overwhelm and decision fatigue held me back. There's so much to do, so you don't know where to begin. And I actually made a lot of mistakes. When I finally decided to take action, then I made a lot of mistakes which we can discuss later. And finally, when something clicked, and for me, when SEO, it clicked. And, all, and, re and really, I can share that exact strategy that I did later on also. Then all I needed to do was take action because there's two aspects. One, figuring out the right thing to do. Number two is taking action. Once I figured out what to do, I just needed to take action. And that's the easy part, you know? Mm -hmm. Awesome. So let's start getting into, you know, the, the, the travel site, that one had this sort of quick trajectory and everything. So how did you pick pick the niche? We can get into that. And then can you talk about some of the, the keyword and some of the preliminary uh, things that you were looking for before you started the site? Okay. So interestingly, my first site started as a travel blog, but it moved into a different niche completely. And so I always had that at the back of my mind. I felt like maybe I had given up on the niche. No, looking back, um, it's a really tough niche. A lot of, there's plenty of other much easier, if you're listening to this and you think travel's the only niche, trust me, there are plenty of other easier niches to go into because everybody can write about travel. And so I just had that kind of interest in it. And I was on a motorbike trip with my brother for a couple of weeks and I was working and, you know, motorbiking along the road. And I just wanted to challenge myself and really give it a go. So I set it up while on the road. And in terms of keyword research, I use, I use a really affordable tool called KeySearch. And what I do is I pick, step one is I look to see if there are keyword opportunities, so more than 100. So I go in there and I do mining. And so I start, and I, I do that by also looking at low competition, um, look at, looking at my competition with low domains. So I look for keywords. Number two, I analyze the monetization potential. So I look at other sites. How are they monetizing? What are their affiliate programs? What other digital products? And if I'm comfortable that there are plenty of keywords to write about and there's also monetization opportunities, then I would start the niche. Okay. And from the monetization standpoint, where's the money coming from for this? So currently it's coming from Ezoic and also Amazon. And this is something which I'm aware it's a risk because we need to diversify and it's on my to-do list. So Currently, majority, all of it, like, so for example, in March, um, 
$750 is from Amazon US and the remaining 184 is from Ezoic. And so currently where I'm at is I'm looking to list, I'm actually applying to other affiliate programs in the niche to diversify my, my revenue, my affiliate revenue. Okay. And when you, uh, I don't know if you can expand a little bit more. Are they more like on the product side or services with travel? You have potential uh, tours and stuff like that where you could partner with groups or maybe food tours or walking tours, stuff like that. So yeah, what are you looking at for this particular set of affiliate potential? That's a really good question because I myself was a bit stuck. So when, I, when I'm stuck, I, say, I take a step back and say, don't reinvent the wheel, look at people doing it well. And so I analyzed a couple of good sites and it looks like, I can't pronounce the word, Viator, V-I-A-T-O-R. Is that, it's a tour group, I think. Say it again. How do you spell it? V-I-A-T-O-R. Viator. Yeah. Funny thing. If you spell a word out loud to me, I probably won't know what it is. I have to write it down. (laughs) So I literally just wrote it down. My brain just, I can't connect it. I got to practice or something. Although I've been getting by for 42 years, so maybe it's okay. Yeah, Viator. I think that sounds right. Sure. I could I could pronounce it because like, I have an exact Viator. I pronounce the R. So Viator. Yeah. So Viator um, is one. Booking.com is another. Goda. Booking.com, Goda. There's Kluke if you're in Asia. So I'm looking at, because currently I'm monetizing the product with Amazon. But what about the info content, right? So we have a lot of accommodations, a lot of tours. So my my initial gut reaction is to go to the one go, go to the go to the articles that are already getting traffic and put in affiliate links relating to accommodation and tours and then I'm going to go to the product ones that do well and see if I can find an a, another kind of affiliate that isn't Amazon. I mean Amazon's great because it converts well so I'm not going to give up on Amazon. I just want to diversify. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. And you said you have Ezoic on there so I take it those are pro- probably on the informational ads are they also is ezoic throughout the whole site yeah i mean i follow john dystra and he's he's of the opinion um that it doesn't really make a difference to whether you put ads or not and i to be honest i don't switch ads off any of my articles and my it doesn't make a difference i mean i tried switching it off putting it on and no difference people still bought so why not earn a bit of extra money you know Right. And I think, you know, the common wisdom, and I know I've said this in the past, like I wouldn't put ads where there's affiliate stuff because I don't want to distract people. But I think people are kind of used to ads and it doesn't seem to impact anything one way or another. And you earn money by showing more ads more often. So, and how, how long have you been working with Ezo? They are a sponsor of uh, the show. So we can, we can spend time saying good things about them. So yeah, how long have you worked with Ezo? Definitely over a year. I think Ezoic is really amazing because they, for, for, for the, especially for newer sites, because prior to this, there was, you know, not really much available for people with smaller sites. And, but what's interesting, what I'm def- definitely noticing a trend is a lot of people they used to think Mediavine was the only option once you hit 50,000 sessions. But I'm noticing a growing trend of Nephi owners that are opting to stay with it, even though they hit the Mediavine threshold. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting what I'm seeing. I mean, I've, I, I think they're great for beginners. They have a lot of tutorials. I probably could spend more time using, you know, learning more about them. And, and, and that's certainly something that I'd, I'd like to delve into for my info, info kind of content. 
And then are you on the premium uh, version there of Ezoic? Yeah. I just started with premium last month. I thought I'd give it a go. Okay, cool. And I, I take it it's paying off uh, already? Yeah, I was quite surprised actually, but I thought I'd give it a go. And if it wasn't working, then I'd, I'd, I'd end it. But it seems to be working fine. And you can see the, you know, the extra income you earn. It's kind of quite thrilling, really. So yeah, I, 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 I think it's great. I, I'm happy to pay the premium. Very good. Okay, so I'm going to jump back. I'm, my brain's working funny today. So everybody stick with me. But so keywords and, and keyword research. So you found something like 100 keywords, made sure it was viable. Are you looking at a certain ratio of informational to product reviews? Any other details on how you're selecting these? Okay, so it's, it's interesting because I, I know everybody now is quite against affiliate content. And I, I actually didn't know when, when I first started, I made all my mistakes, you know, yeah. and I had 50-50, maybe more than 50-50. And I had a lot of affiliate content on there. So actually, my now, now I'd say maybe 60-40, 60 60% info, 40% affiliate. I think affiliate content is fine as long as you are genuine and useful in that content, right? So all of my articles are minimum 2,000 words. So the content itself is good quality. We re like, you know, when I, when I train my writers to not just talk about the product, go onto YouTube, reviews, go onto forums, find out real information about the product so we can provide value to the reader. And I also think that I'm going to need to move to providing another product apart from Amazon. So buy it on Amazon, buy it on Kathmandu and giving them options. And I think that will help me a lot protecting me from Google. And you, you mentioned there's about 2,000 words at a minimum. Is that what you said for every post? So in terms of content, so my, I have to say my, I'm very rigorous with how I train my writers. I train them all myself. I have training videos. And so the content itself, they have FAQs, they match user intent, they are minimum 2,000 words. And they, I want I want each piece of content, and maybe it's overkill, but I want each piece of content to really add value to the reader and be the best article out of the top 10 on, on page one. That's the rule I follow. And let's talk about your writers and your team. So how many writers do you have? What was it like hiring people? Did you do that before? Where'd you hire them from? All, all these questions, right? Yeah, so I think the model that I follow is quite interesting because I haven't really met anybody that follows the same model in terms of where they get writers. I don't use freelance platforms. Every single team member is from Instagram. So I have a, a tiny but mighty Instagram following and I adore them and they adore me and we engage with each other every day. And so what I'm finding, uh, what, I, what I started doing was for the first site, the first 100 articles, I wrote myself. So I think before you want to teach somebody, you need to know what you're teaching. And so once I was clear, if you hear my cat, that is Supervisor Sandy. She's very nosy and she has a lot of opinions about uh, me having meetings. If she gets too noisy, I can, I can put her in outside, but just let me know. So basically, I start by, I run writing workshops because my background is freelance writing. And I train, I, I basically advertise freelance writing workshops. People pay for these workshops and then I train them up in the workshop and after the workshop and then they pitch to me and I pick the best writers. And so 
for example, this this Saturday, I have 45 people attending my workshop. And it's great because there's a constant flow of of really good writers and they're good because I train them. You know, you, you can't expect someone to do something you, if you haven't explained to them. So having very clear SOPs and, and training videos. Okay. And how long did it take you to like develop the training videos and the other SOPs and all that stuff? And like any other details, like are those freely available? Do you give those out or is that part of your other offering or something like that? A couple disjointed questions. So you could just hit whatever you remember. To be honest, it was kind of ad hoc. So I started running these freelance writing workshops because a lot of people wanted to know how I found clients how to become a freelance writer because I didn't, when I started with no experience, nobody wanted to train me up. Nobody, you know, everybody wants someone with experience. And so I I basically started not with the intention to, to, to have them for my niche sites, but just to train them up to become freelance writers. And that organically happened where I thought, Hmm, I have sites here. They're, they're looking for, they're looking for work. Why don't I give them a try? And you know, the, the kind of, the SOPs happened organically because rather than me repeating again and again, I thought, oh, maybe I'll do a video. And then I use Loom. So I use Loom and I use Google Docs. I run my entire business with Loom and Google Docs and Google Sheets. I don't use any complicated software. I'm very simple and practical. Keep it simple, keep it, keep it budget and keep it practical. Love it. Oh, that's brilliant. And it's funny. You were like, Hey, I just want to train some people. And then you're automatically training the people that can work with you and they're paying you along the way. Right. And, and it's kind of, it's quite satisfying because it's a win-win for both because when someone buys a workshop ticket, they think, Oh, it's a waste of money. Whereas they're going to be, they're going to be trained up. And I say, if you follow my training, you're likely going to get hired. Right. And so in a way it's kind of like a guaranteed opportunity for them. And, tra- and, and then someone might say, what if you have bad quality writers pitching to you? To be honest, if somebody's going to pay, a, you know, for a workshop and for what I charge, they're not there to waste time. They're there to do a good job. They're there, they've invested their time and their money. And so it's kind of like symbiotic in the sense they pay for the workshop, they get trained and they get trained after the workshop, but then I pay them and they get their money back. So they then get paid for their writing and it just goes in circles and I'm helping them grow and improve and they're helping me. And I really enjoy this process. That's awesome. So let's talk about link building a little bit here. And some people don't want to do any link building. Some people are really into it. That's all they want to do. So what, yeah, where do you fit on this? So to be open and transparent, I don't invest a lot of time and energy in link building. However, I think it's important. I think it's one of those things which people don't want to do because it's hard work and it, it's kind of tough, right? But if you do it, you will see the results. What I have found success with is collaborating on Facebook groups. And for me, right, what I make sure when I write a guest post, if I write guest posts for somebody, I make sure that guest post is even better than it would be on my site. Have respect for that site owner. Make sure that you find them a good keyword. I find them good SEO keywords. I write them. I write good content. And what happens is when they, when they will get Google traffic, if you follow the process, then you can say, hey, did you, did you enjoy that? Can I, can I write that for another one of my sites? And so I'm following this process. I had a guy that has a DA of like above 70, pretty high. And he loves, he said, wow, this guest post is amazing. And I said, you know, when you st- would you like me to do that for 
for, you know, can I link to another one of my sites? And you just replicate the process. So I think if you go in there with, rather than, hey, can you link to me? Well, you've got to make it valuable to them. So, hey, can I help you get Google traffic? Can I write you a valuable piece of content? Here is a good keyword. In return, I'd appreciate if you link back to me. And, it, and it's like both ways, you know? Mm-hmm. Very good. And how did you land those initial guest posts or that one, for example? So that one, I was on a Facebook group, a blogging Facebook group, and somebody was asking a question about blogging and SEO. And I just answered it. And I said, he he sounded like he didn't really know much about SEO. And I was like, hey, maybe you should try that and try this. And and then we just got talking. And then, and then you know, he mentioned guest posts. And I was like, yep, can I, can I propose a, a keyword for you? Because he didn't know anything about SEO. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is a good keyword because and I was educating them. And so you've got to really do the work and, and show that you're there to help them. So I, okay, if you want to pitch, right, because my background is freelance writing, don't just go in there saying, hey, can you link to me? Go in there. Hi. I've analyzed your site. I love this piece of content introduction. Then here is a proposed SEO topic or keyword. I've used key search. And finally, I can get this done in two weeks. And you mentioned your behaviors. So the structure I follow when I pitch, I make it unique and personal. I tell them the topic that will help them. And then I, will t- I tell them the behaviors I, in, in the sense that this isn't just me getting from you. My behaviors, I believe in deadlines. I believe in respecting and I will, will not link too much. And so when I follow that structure, I find I get a much better success rate. Very good. And I was going to say, you know, it depends on who you're sending it to. I get pitches like that, which are reasonable, but um, in the internet marketing space, everyone mm. gets pitched constantly. So yeah, it's tough to make it through in certain industries. and You may have to take a different approach. Like maybe, like you said, Facebook groups could be a warm way to get an introduction where it it's it's a little bit easier versus cold email. So cold emails could be tough. Now, I've heard people have good luck with Instagram. And since you have a following there, have you landed any opportunities because of your, you know, just your profile out there and all your followers? Yeah, there's a couple at the moment. They're my followers. They they have, they basically, they don't know SEO. So they learn, they learn about SEO because I share SEO and blogging tips every day with my audience. So if you want to learn for free, come and follow me. So what happens is they don't know anything about SEO, but they have valuable sites. So they have high domain sites. And yeah, I have actually, we've interacted and then I proposed to them. But I just want to go back to your point on when people pitch to you. Have you ever had someone pitch to you with an actual SEO keyword? Has it ever happened to you? Yeah, a handful of times. Yep. That hasn't happened to me because if someone said to me, here is a, here is a keyword, an actual keyword using this tool, Yes, this this much search traffic, this much competition, and they link to some of their samples, I would be more open to it because it shows they've taken the time to actually yep. analyze my site. You know what I mean? Yes. And you you are a hundred percent right. And I, I do agree with you. And I've seen like a couple versions of it. Some where it's like bad keyword research where I'm like, ah, they kind of tried, but they missed the point. And then others mm-hmm. that were okay. And then the caveat and longtime listeners will know I'm pretty cynical now. So I'm like, oh, mm. get out of here. I, I don't want your, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who you are. Um, in fact, I got an email the other day where someone basically like followed the instructions that they, I don't know, they saw someone say, Hey, approach YouTubers and ask them to give you a shout out and share your material. So they like emailed me for the first time ever 
I don't know who they are. And they were just like, Hey, can you, um, take this and share it with your audience and give me a shout out? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm sorry. It's a no from me. Yeah. Actually, no, I'm sorry. No, you got it. Go ahead. I actually, there was this link building tactic, which really annoyed me, which you might, you might, you, you guys might hear. It kind of took me by surprise. It came, it came across from a reader. I'm in commas here, a reader. So it was a personal email and they were said, oh, I've read your article on this. And I got slightly frustrated because it didn't have the information I was looking for. And I found that information in this, in this website. And, you know, they said something like, from a reader, I, you know, I would, it, would, it would be better if you actually included this, this, this information so other readers don't get frustrated. So my initial yeah. reaction when it's a reader, it's like, oh, I'm really sorry but to hear that you've got frustrated, yeah. that you felt I wasted your time. And it kind of threw me off because I was so busy worrying about the fact that I frustrated my readers. And then I took a step back and I was like, it's a bit weird that they're now asking me to include another website, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, gotcha! Yeah. So I it. Yeah, yeah. Those are good. They're getting smarter and smarter. And they're, I, I interviewed Shauna Newman a few weeks ago, and there's a copyright scam where they're impersonating lawyers and they're like asking for links. So again, you're like, oh no, I might get sued. But if the punchline of whatever the email is, is give me a backlink and everything's fine, they're full of shit, most likely. So... I heard that. I heard that. By the way, I'm a fan of Shauna. Never, never, don't know who she is, but I love her her content and I love listening to her on your podcast. And that actually happened to me too. I just deleted it because of that podcast. I actually got an email saying, you know, you need to do that. I just deleted it. So that's been really helpful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Link builders are becoming a lot more creative and tricky. So, okay, so let's let's talk about mistakes. You alluded to it before. You may have made one or two mistakes along the way. Do you have any to share? For sure. I mean, when I first started, I was just grappling onto anything, any like Pinterest, Facebook groups. I was trying to do too much. I was trying to, okay, if you're listening to this now, you don't have to do it all. You don't have to pursue all the different traffic. You've got to stack it up. Start with one and ideally it would be SEO, right? And so the mistake I made was I tried to do too much. So I was Facebook, Pinterest, and then I got burnt out. Number two is I listened to people that weren't in my niche. You need to be very careful when you, especially when you're beginning and you don't really know what's wrong and right is who you take advice from. And so when I was like my first, my first site, well, you, you're going to know my first site. It's in the personal finance niche because I'll link to it at the end. And it's in personal finance. And so the, the, the blogger that I listened to was in fashion. And she said, you know, you should be on Pinterest. She gets over 300,000 pages from Pinterest. What are you doing wrong? You should be pushing Pinterest. And so I listened to her and um, I was like, oh, why am I not getting significant traffic from Pinterest? And I, I really beat myself up. Then I realized no one's going on Pinterest to Google bank rates, how to reduce credit card debt. You know what I mean? People will go on to Pinterest to, for fashion tips. And so really take a moment when you listen to advice, ask yourself, what's their niche? What is their intention? What are their, what's their experience? And, and before you then beat yourself up and compare yourself, you know? Very and good. that's the first one. And number two is don't compare your start to someone's middle. And I know that 
I mean, basically speaking to my audience, we, we're all in this together. And often sometimes we see people like, like you, Doug, extremely successful. And you think, wow, how come I haven't achieved that? What's wrong with me? Maybe I'm doing something wrong. And you've got to understand that, you know, your start is, is totally different to someone's middle, right? And so someone may have, you know, you hear these clickbait titles. I made $50,000 in six months in a new blog. And they probably did, but maybe that's their third blog. Maybe they had experience with digital marketing. We never know the real story. And so don't beat yourself up. All you need to do is pick a, a strategy. Pick one. Listen to someone you trust and implement. Pick it and implement, implement, implement. And beating yourself up is not going to get you more traffic, is it? Is, is, is you calling yourself a failure going to get you more traffic? No. It's counterproductive. And so whatever you're doing, just keep stick at it. Do, do, do what you're supposed to do every single day. It's fantastic. I can't see your face, so I don't know how you're reacting because the screen's frozen. So I'm just, I'm just kind of hoping that I'm making sense. <laughs> that's that's so funny. Yeah, it it's totally fine over here, and yeah, I'm moving around, smiling and nodding. So, <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Any other mistakes? Yes, two more. So another one is. If I could do things differently, I wouldn't have started a site, my first site in the YMYL niche, which is Your Money, Your Life. And so for those that don't know, Your Money, Your Life is niches such as finance, health, which Google has a higher standard of care, and it's much more difficult to get traffic. I probably wouldn't start it in that niche because it's, you know, let's make your life easy. There's so many hobbies out there. If you want to know where to get ideas, go on discoverahobby.com and you'll find loads of hobbies. People starting a hobby site is normally quite a good idea because people spend on hobbies. So that was my third mistake. And number four is Facebook groups. So I thought that I needed to be on Facebook groups. I needed to engage, but you just got to take what you see on Facebook groups with a pinch of salt, right? Because it's very easy for people to feel crappy and then run to Facebook group. Ah, Pinterest is failing. Ah, Google hates us instead of doing the work, right? So for me, when something goes wrong, take a step back. You can cry if you want. Then ask yourself, what can I do to fix this? The quicker you bounce back, the more successful you're going to be. Rather than running to Facebook groups saying everything's a failure, it's about how you react to that failure is going to determine how successful you are and how fast you are at being successful. And just to be clear, you're talking about Facebook groups that maybe cater to internet marketers or, you know, site builders and stuff like that. That's what you mean? Like blogging Facebook groups. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I think Facebook groups are dumb, so I don't spend any time there. <laughs> I, I tend to find, again, I don't spend any time there. So this is like the couple minutes a month that I pop in just to confirm that I still don't like Facebook groups. It seems to be a lot of people that have opinions about stuff that don't do the thing that they're talking about. So they're regurgitating something they heard before. And I've, I mean, you, this happens in real life too, where people just give advice. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And I see a lot of that in Facebook groups. I, I in contrast, I think Facebook groups have been useful for me because I've been able to learn and, and make connections. That's been helpful. However, you know, what really got me at the beginning was Facebook groups, people are keyboard warriors and, the, you know, you can post something and there's a lot of hate comments. You don't need that with SEO. SEO is liberating. You can literally be a hermit. I'm a bit of a hermit and just do your thing. Do your thing, baby. 
and you don't need to be social. You don't need to go on Facebook and you can still be very successful if you implement the right SEO strategy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a bit of a hermit too. So I can relate. So if I understood this right, you got started with SEO in a serious way in like 2019. Is that right? Uh, end of 2019. That's correct. Okay. And it sounds like, I mean, you're kind of at an expert level now, or at least you're, you're sharing and teaching a lot of people on Instagram and otherwise. So that's fantastic. And I'm curious, and you kind of mentioned it before that you have a particular SEO strategy. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? And then also just how you learn so fast. Okay. I don't know if I'm an expert, you know, I, I, I think that I, I just like to share because nobody wanted to share with me at the beginning. So People think that SEO is complicated. They think there's a secret source. And to be quite honest, this is the exact process I follow for all my sites. You find a good keyword, right? So high, so some search volume, low competition. You go into key search, go into any, any keyword tool. So you found that good keyword. You got it? Cool. Put that keyword in all the right places, H1, H2. And then you supercharge it with secondary keywords. That's a big thing for me because my I'm a new site. I don't have high authority. And the reason why I'm able to get like my first peak, it was nearly getting 200,000 page views. It's a newish site compared to others. And I do that because I supercharge each piece of content with secondary keywords. Find a good keyword, put that keyword in the right place, supercharge it with secondary keywords. And finally, just make sure that content is valuable. If someone asks a question in, for, the, for the topic, answer it. Don't fluff, don't faff about and honestly, guys, I know a lot of people think, is there a secret source? I follow this process for every single one of my sites. It's not complicated. So, all right, let's unpack that and be more specific. So you say use the primary keyword in the right places. So in the title, in an H2 tag, how, how many times do you use a given keyword? Can you give us maybe a specific example just to talk through this? To be quite honest, I let I use the plugin Yoast. I did try Rank Math, but that's that that didn't work for me. But I use Yoast. I'm pretty practical, simple. I use Yoast. Yoast will tell you how many times you should put it in. So as a bare minimum, we have it in the H1 title, the H2, the first hundred words, and then you mention it. You you have it how many times? At the bottom of Yoast, it will say keyword density. So I do try and follow that. Not exactly, mm. and so that's for the primary keyword. I just want to give uh, a tip or strategy to find a primary keyword. Do we have time? Yeah. So for me, the biggest thing, the challenge I found with finding good keywords was, oh, there's too much competition. I can't find a good keyword. And I want you to try this. Use a keyword modifier. So a keyword modifier, for example, let's say golf clubs, right? You, you want to write about golf clubs. Chances are golf clubs has high search volume, but very high competition. Take a step back and ask yourself, what are potential modifiers? Golf clubs for left-handed people, golf clubs for women, for children, and put in some modifiers in your keyword tool and you will notice suddenly opportunities come up. So to find a good keyword, I use keyword modifiers. And then I put that keyword in H1, H2, first under word, meta description, URL. And I let Yoast tell me where to put it. Okay. So... Aisha, are you okay with having a little debate here right now? I didn't prep you on this, but are you, are you okay with it? <laughs> I'm going to have to be okay with it. Let's go. Let's go, Doug. Okay. So I've, 
I've often said, I know there's listeners and viewers right now who are like, Doug hates Yoast SEO. That's true. I don't like that tool. And my number one complaint is exactly what you say that you do. So one of the issues, for example, is like a keyword golden ratio type keyword, very long tail keyword, very specific. So it would be best golf clubs for left-handed women, right? Very long, very specific. If you use Yoast, you will probably overuse that keyword phrase. So I don't think Yoast is something that you can rely on without understanding exactly what it's doing. So if Yoast had uh, the focus keyword as like just golf clubs, it would probably be appropriate for the keyword density. But when you get very long phrases, it's super unnatural to have a eight word phrase like 10 times in an article. It's just not common. So do you have any thoughts on that? Okay. So you said it, you said that it's not natural. So is that an opinion or is that backed by data? You know what I mean? Like that is your opinion that it sounds unnatural, right? Are you able to include, because you can use, when you say, well, the best golf clubs for left-handed women, like I think that's possible to include that in a natural way without standing, you know, without standing that keyword stuffing, number one, unless you're disputing the data of, of yours. Are you saying that if, have you, have you had experience where you've over-optimized and seen a negative effect of yours? So first question from before Purely my opinion. I have no data. People can discount all of that that I said. So if, in fact, if someone's using Yoast and it's working like you, like keep doing what you're doing, right? So I, I get that. And then what, what was the other part of the question? Have you, have you experienced a situation where you have followed Yoast and you have, in commas, keyword stuff, I've according had, to your opinion of, and the negative effects? So... I can't remember. I think I stopped using Yoast in that way by that point in time. However, I've had probably at least 10 students or someone that I've consulted with where they followed Yoast and it was over-optimized and they changed that and then it, it fixed it. And it was a specific example where people are using that tool uh, like improperly, like mm. quickly someone can say, you know what? That's a little bit unnatural. And, and part of the reason why is, especially, you know, we're talking about affiliate product reviews and Google not liking those as much. If you put best blah, blah, blah product, that definitely looks like a product review type post. And I think even these days, like you'll still get hit. I, again, your mileage will vary. And if it's something is working for you, like do that. But I, I wanted to point it out. Now you brought up awesome points. So it, do you have any other thoughts on it? I think that I, I know that, and I'm going to be also honest that, you know, I hear that Yoast is, is bloated, like it does slow your site down. I know that I don't follow it exactly to the T. Sometimes it's orange and that's fine. Like I do take a common sense approach to it too. And so if I read through it and I think, huh, this sounds like a robot, I'll take it out, even if it makes Yoast orange, right? And so I do think you do need to also have a common sense approach. It's your article, it's your baby. So you need to make sure that that article is valuable for the reader. If a robot is telling you it's going to be more valuable to sound like a robot, then use your common sense. 
And so if I can find, like I tried rank maths and it didn't work for me, I would like a let more lightweight approach. I'm still searching for it, but I, I'm, I'm at the point in my life now, I don't have capacity. <clears throat> I, like I barely comb my hair. So if I have more time where I can find a better product to help me, hey, I'll use it. But right now I don't have, I haven't found it. And so I'm, that's why I'm using Yoast. Got it. Okay, cool. Thanks for letting us do that. And I think we came away, no hurt feelings. Everything's fine. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about how quickly some of your sites have grown. Again, you're fairly new to SEO and some of the ideas, but you've you picked up on some things. You're using, you know, Yoast, but you seem to still be doing a good job. And let's talk about the Google sandbox and how quickly your sites have grown. So can you give us some stats so people have a relative idea? Okay, so for my first site, actually, because I had no idea what I was doing and I ignored it, so nothing happened for ages. And I was sitting at 7,000 page views in September 2020, if I'm not mistaken. And then when I finally implemented those the strategy, find a good keyword, put it in the right place, and then use second keywords, it went from 7,000 page views to nearly 100,000 page views in seven months. And I just thought everyone got that kind of result, you know? And so I didn't think much of it. And then I, for my second site, and so I've been very fortunate with my first site. It's grown from strength to strength in terms of traffic and income. And the second site, to be quite honest, for the first 12 months, Google ignored me. And I started to actually question myself. And this is why I want you to, if you're, in this, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, it's less than 12 months. Why is, why is my site not getting traffic? It's likely you're in the Google sandbox. Travel is a competitive niche. And so for the first 12 months, I was like, I'm a failure. I mean, I mean, maybe it was a fluke. Maybe my first site was an accident. And then suddenly in January, it just shot up. We're talking less than $100 to, you know, what, January is 771, right? And it just literally it went up and now it's growing and growing and I'm going to put more content on in April. And so my aim is to get it to a hundred thousand page views, hopefully this year. Okay. And I've seen this too in another competitive niche where I was getting some traffic for several months, but then all of a sudden, as soon as it hit 12 months, like it just jumped in, in a very serious way. Yeah. It's so crazy. And I'm trying to think, well, I guess, yeah. Do you have any other observations on any of your other sites like early on or anything like that? I think the single biggest thing you can do to increase the likelihood of you getting traffic is to put more quality content. Okay. And so for my other sites, so my third site's in a lowish, com lowest competition. And that's, that's actually, that's actually now in a hockey stick. And, you know, every single time I say, oh, I'm a failure, and then, it, and, then, and then it happens. So don't call yourself a failure is what I'm saying. But every single time, rather than getting upset and flopping on the couch and going to Facebook groups, I knuckle down and I put more quality content. And every single time, it has improved my traffic. And so a lot of people don't realize that I would say, unless you have got to 100 quality blog posts, that's when you should start, start start saying, okay, well, why am I not getting results? Because when I, when my first site was at 7,000 page views, I think I was at 30, 40 blog posts. And then I knuckled down, I canceled Netflix, I don't watch TV anymore. And I literally dedicated myself to my site and I pumped out 40 pieces of content. 
And that was the push that my site needed. And so if you're sitting here today feeling demotivated, feeling like I'm not seeing results, get your, get your site to 100 quality blog posts. And if you're doing SEO right, you should start seeing results. People are so impatient. Yeah, they want it, they want it to happen fast. And I mean, part of the problem, I, I mentioned it on YouTube or uh, on the podcast, I, I have to make a title that people want to check out. So it's clickbait. I mean, I, I have to do it and I make it sound like it's really easy, but it does take time and you do have to do work at the end of the day. So, okay, good. I think I think a large part of the the reason why we want fast results, especially if it's your first site, is you have nothing to compare to, right? So you, it's like maybe maybe I'm one of the ones that aren't isn't going to succeed, and I really have to say that you know your podcast and the other podcasts that I listen to, you know, Niche Website Builders, Niche Site Projects, and there's so many others. I don't think you guys realize how much of a difference you make to people like me, like. During the pandemic, like I love running marathons. I'm, I'm a very active person and I couldn't do that. And I was stuck in my living room, really struggling. And the, oh, no, none of my colleagues understand what I'm doing. And these podcasts beca- became my fictional mentors. And so I really, if you're in that moment now and you're feeling demotivated, listen to podcasts where they talk about their journey. They talk about their struggle and let them inspire you. You're looking uncomfortable, yeah. though. You're like, oh, no. I don't know about that. <laughs> no, no, it's, I'm glad, I'm glad people listen. And it, it is interesting. There's more and more people that do let me know, like, oh, I listened to, you know, so many episodes. I re-listened to this one. And, you know, they, they remember stuff that I don't remember saying at all. It's amazing. So I'm, I'm glad you're all listening. It's great. So... As we are starting to wrap up here, I do want to, you know, tease some of the other stuff. I th- I think hopefully we'll be able to chat again in the future. There's, you know, you have these other sites that I think we can talk about. There's one that's earning, you know, significantly more. It's a little bit more mature. And I, I think we can dig into that one sometime in the future, uh, kind of in a similar way. But, you know, before we head out though, do you have any, you know, broad tips for people that are, maybe at the beginning of, of their journey and you've given so many wonderful tips throughout. So even if you just have to repeat a couple of them, but yeah, do you have any broad thoughts for people that want to recreate what you've done? Uh, sure. First thing first is I want you to imagine that your blog is a rental property, right? So when we build a rental property to rent out, we don't put three bricks, and then say to the real estate agent, hello, hello, can you please rent my house out? You don't say that. You do the work, right? You build your house. Then when the house is built, then you rent it out. Your blog is a digital piece of digital real estate. You have three blog posts up there, and then you're wondering why you're not earning money. Your house is not built. Knuckle down, learn, like trust the process, and get 100 posts up there, quality posts. Do the work is what I'm saying. And number two is, and this is more to do with mindset, Entrepreneurship is a marathon. We often get addicted to these fast results and hustle, hustle, hustle. And make no mistake, at the beginning, you're going to make sacrifices to, to for your goals at the beginning. But in the long run, you need to ask yourself, like, how am I going to sustain myself? Are you drinking? Are you are you are you are you taking rest? Are you pacing yourself? Are you listening to the right things? If you're going to do this, you're going to be doing this for a long time, right? Like we are the ten percent of the world that have discovered 
niche sites only. Not many people know about this. And it's an amazing opportunity that's going to change your life. It changed my life, you know, but it's given me so much freedom. Now, you're going to do this. It's going to give you a lot of freedom in the future. So pace yourself. You know, people who run a marathon, they don't rush and then burn out. They take their time. They take breaks. They have the right food. And so pace yourself. Only those who pace themselves will get to the end. So remember, entrepreneurship is a marathon. And finally, I have to say this because it's so true. I'm not particularly... I'm not a genius. I'm, I'm really rubbish at technology. There's nothing particularly special about me. But my superpower is taking action and being consistent every single day. And that doesn't mean that you need to write a blog post every day. But what I'm saying is doing something related to your goal every day. It could be reading an article on SEO. It could be listening. So if you're listening to this, you could take that off your list today. But if you take small, consistent action every day, you will get results. It will accumulate. And I have to say that's really helped me. Those are fantastic. And those are some of the tips I've given in the past too. So thanks a lot for that. And where can people find you? So my first site, well, I'm going to share my first site because that's where I actually share a lot of my blogging tips is outandbeyond.com. So you'll see me in front of some mountains, you know, hiking. Um, outandbeyond.com. I also have a very active Instagram, Aisha Priest. And so I always reply to my DMs. Don't send me weird photos and be weird. But like if you come and slide into my DMs, I always reply. I'm always there to help. And I've also created a SEO checklist for your readers, Doug. So basically the process I follow, where, you know, every single step I take, I created a checklist. So if you'd like that checklist, I'm sure um, Doug will provide it for you. Um, and also, can I just finish with something in terms of how the success has changed my life? Because a lot of people, do we have time? I don't yeah, want to go for it. Yeah. Just, just the final one, because a lot of the time we go through the process and we don't understand how this niche site building can change your life. And for me, it's given me the freedom to work less and earn more. And if you're listening to this today thinking, I want a different life, this can actually change your life. And number two is it's allowed me to go on the path to financial independence. And so my goal has always been, I want to buy a farmhouse one day and live off the land. That's my home. That's my goal and work less. Just last week, unfortunately, my, my family member got diagnosed with a medical condition. I, co I covered it, cash. They didn't have health insurance. You are able to, to take these opportunities if you are brave enough and consistent enough to stick at your, stick at your site and get to 100 posts. And so I hope that can give you a bit of motivation. That's awesome. We'll link up so people can find your site. They could download the checklist and uh, your Instagram as well. So it'll be in the show notes and everything. And yeah, hopefully we, we can do a round two before too long and dig in to a few more details. So thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Doug, and to everybody listening. I appreciate your time and I hope you all have a great day. Thanks to Aisha and definitely check out her Instagram and her website and follow the links and, and check out all the stuff that she's working on. She has uh, another site that actually is bigger and I probably will set up another interview to talk about that one and it gets quite a bit of traffic, earns quite a lot of money and man, she's just so enthusiastic and pumped and check out her Instagram if you want to be inspired. All right. Last 
Last thing I'll mention here is multi-profit site. Like I said, the opening that is open for enrollment April 18th through the 22nd of 2022. If you have to happen to be listening to this way out in the future, that is okay. You can still follow the link, sign up for the email list to get on the wait list. And I open up the course a few times per year. Finally, I'll leave you with a plug to check out my other podcast. I try to talk about it almost every single episode. It's called Mile High Five. It's about personal finance and financial independence, and really, it's about life. My friend Carl and I talk, and it's kind of like just sitting in and listening to conversations that we would probably have anyway. Sometimes we interview people, not all the time, but it's probably like 30 or 40% interviews, and we have these kind of fun short episodes on Friday. Sometimes they're, they're pretty short, like 15 minutes, and other times... We won't shut up and it's more like 30 minutes, but those are worth checking out. Usually we just cover like one quick topic. And one thing about the show, which is not dissimilar to uh, the Doug show here, we'll go on tangents. So even during interviews, if someone says something interesting that is kind of unrelated, like maybe they're a distance runner or something, this didn't happen, but maybe they're a distance runner and they run half marathons or marathons or ultra marathons we would maybe just be interested and start asking about that, even though it's unrelated to whatever topic that we have. And sometimes, you know, we uncover deeper things. Usually you do when you go on a tangent. And if someone is really passionate about whatever it is, they will go on and on. And even if the listener is not super interested in the particular topic, the the passion comes through. And just because someone's interested, they usually can spin a good yarn and let you know why they're so pumped about a specific thing. So anyway, Mile High Fi, there's a link in the description, the show notes here. And I think that's it. Got an awesome episode coming out uh, in a couple days with Lauren Hunter, who sold a website in the technology space, a specific technology space for nearly 300K. And she tells her story and she came at it sideways. She didn't come at it as an entrepreneur. She was more um, of a writer and a PR person. So kind of interesting, different angle, a different way to approach websites and earning and a pretty awesome story. So that's coming out in a couple days. Have a great day out there. Catch you on the next episode. 